the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Well, we'll continue where we began last week. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and the verse number 1 to 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. All right. I charge you therefore, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ who is to judge the living and the dead. Somebody say God will judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's why you must preach. You know, God will judge the living and the dead and we have a responsibility to preach. Somebody died and upon his death, he discovered that judgment was real. And he wanted to preach to his siblings, but it was too late. If you have anybody that you want to preach to, this is the best time to do. Because there's a day of judgment coming. Maybe next week, when we consider the motivation for soul winning, we'll be able to look at that. There are a number of things that must motivate us to win souls. And one of them is the judgment of God. Somebody say the judgment of God. The Bible said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. God is loving. God is merciful. But God is also a very terrible God. Praise the Lord. And you have to know all the natures of God. When we put all of his divine nature and attributes together, we are able to represent him and communicate him well to others. Turn to your neighbor and say, a day of judgment is coming. That's why you must be a preacher. Then he says, be ready in season out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have eating ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to seal their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure what? Endure what? Endure what? Complain about suffering. Run away from suffering. Don't be comfortable with suffering. Alright, so he says endure suffering do, let's go, let's read that part. One go. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Somebody say, I have a ministry to fulfill. What kind of ministry do you get fulfilled by doing the work of evangelists? It is a ministry that is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. The ministry of reconciliation. Somebody said the ministry of reconciliation. That is a ministry you and I have. And that is a ministry we ought to fulfill. Last week, we touched on four important reasons why the work of evangelism is a very critical work and every believer 
There are some things that God did not reserve for a few people. There are some assignments God made sure that every believer has an opportunity to be partaker of it. And that is the work of evangelism. Somebody say the work of evangelism. We said that how important is this work? Number one, Jesus came principally as an evangelist. Somebody say Jesus came principally as an evangelist. That's what he came. He came to preach the good news. An evangelist presents the good news to as many people as are longing for it and are yearning for it. He said, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then we said that evangelism is a main task that was committed to the disciples of Christ. Before he left, he told them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.18, he says he's committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Then number three, we said we need to engage and mind the work of evangelism because it is the reason why the Holy Spirit was principally given. Somebody say, have the Holy Spirit to be a witness. See, the reason why the Holy Spirit was given to you is so you can be a witness. A witness is somebody who testifies of what he has seen, what he has heard, what he has personally experienced. That is a witness. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live as witnesses. Not just speak as witnesses, we also live as witnesses. Praise God. And then, of course, number four, we said that it guarantees much less eternal and earthly returns. When we make the business of soul winning our business, God makes our business his business. He already loves you anyway. He's committed to you in many ways. But once you become an ambassador minding the business, his core business, you will be sure that everything you are entitled to will be delivered to you. Now listen, if you're an American citizen in Ghana now, every right of an American citizen is rightly yours. But the ambassador of the nation of America in Ghana receives some benefits an ordinary citizen does not receive. Do you agree with me? Yeah. He's entitled to some benefit. The other person is not. There's a benefit entitled to you by reason of being a citizen of heaven. But there are some returns God only reserved for those who mind his business of soul winning. The Bible says, when he sent you forth, lack ye anything. Then the Bible said they return and say, we lack nothing. When he sent you forth. That's why it's important that we mind this principal work. There are many things we can do for God. But none of them has eternal returns like so winning. Nothing. Nothing. I tell people all the time. No matter what it is you do in church. Make sure that on top of it all. You are aggressively and actively winning souls. No matter what you do in church. Sing in church. Uh, preach in church. Do everything. But principally be a soul winner because that's what the cross symbolizes and that's what the blood of Christ was shed for. How can we be effective and faithful to the work of soul winning? We have to understand that the business of soul winning is a divine mandate. Somebody say divine mandate. Say a divine mandate. Alright? It's a divine mandate. A mandate is an authoritative instruction given by a superior to a subordinate. The Bible said we are not our own. If we are not our own, then the one that owns us has a right to tell us how we live our lives. You don't think so? The one who owns us, he has a right to determine how we use and what we use our lives for. 
And Apostle Paul said in the Good News Version, he said, my life is worth nothing except I spend it telling others about the good news of the gospel. The worth of a believer's life is well invested for eternity when it is spent in the business of soul winning. When Apostle Paul was talking about, I'm in a twist between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, then he said to dwell in the flesh is more needful for you. What he meant was that staying in the flesh was going to give him greater opportunity to gain more crowns in eternity. That's why he wanted to stay in the flesh. Four reasons why we must pursue the work of evangelism as a divine mandate. Number one is a command. Somebody says it's a command. We must do the work of evangelism in obedience to the command of our Lord. It's a command. One of the explicit commands the Lord gave before his departure is found in Matthew. And it's found in almost all the epistles, including the book of Acts. Let's read a few of them. The same thing is captured in different ways, but they mean the same thing. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus came and said unto them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded ye. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. This is what they call the Great Commission. Now look at a variation of it. Mark also recorded his own. Mark, this is how he recorded his own. He said, he said unto them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. The same thing. Luke chapter 24 verse 45 to 49. Follow the reading because we are just putting them together and we see the unique things about each of them. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said unto them thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, when you go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you see that Luke and Acts were written by the same person. He said, beginning from Jerusalem. The reason why he suffered is so that in his name, the gospel will be preached. So after his suffering, if others are perishing because they are not hearing the gospel, then we are doing a shameful death and burial. He died and resurrected so that the Bible said through him, go back to Luke chapter 24 verse 47, that through him and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from where? Beginning from where? Then he says, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, verse 49, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Why power from on high? So that you will go out and preach repentance in his name. When you come to John, the beloved apostle, see how he rendered his own. John 20, 21 to 23. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. Now, you must always remember how the father sent him. 
He said, the son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, as the father sent me, so have I sent you. How was he sent? He came not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. Likewise, so when he says he's sending us the same way the father sent him, he's simply telling us we are not here to do our own will, but the will of him that sent us. And what is the will of him that sent us? That all men will come to the saving knowledge of Christ as we boldly proclaim the name of Christ. I pray that the grace to be a witness will rest upon your life. The grace to boldly communicate the gospel will rest upon your life. Shout, I receive it. I manifest it. Now look at verse 22. And he said, John 20 verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's how powerful you are. If you forgive, it is forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now, if you look at all of this, you see some of them, the message is delivered. There's a content. What are we to preach? It looks as preach forgiveness of sins, not withholding of sins. Forgiveness of sins. The content of the message in all of it, we also see the authority behind. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me. If you look at it, here he says, the Holy Spirit will fill you up. He breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. He said, go ahead. So he makes you aware that witnessing and evangelism cannot be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. In all of them. He said, go and preach the gospel to him. He that believed and is baptized. Then he says, these signs shall follow. How would the signs come? The Holy Spirit is the author of signs. You have to understand that to be able to win a single soul to Christ, active partnership with the Holy Spirit is a vital necessity. None of us could have been saved without the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So number one, we need to appreciate that it's a command. Somebody say it's a command. Now, it's an eternal command that also comes with eternal consequences. Look at Ezekiel 33, verse 8. He said, For if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Somebody say, We have a responsibility. Say, I have a responsibility. And don't ask me to explain how he required the blood because I don't know it. He said he will require it. Once he said it, I believe it. People like Paul understood this. He said, what is me? I believe that it was revelations of the fact that people's blood will be required from his life. That's why he could say, woe is me. He said, I wish myself was a curse so that my brethren, the Israelites, the Jews, will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. That's how he saw it. So number one, we need to pursue the work of evangelism because it's a divine command. Somebody says it's a divine command. Number two, we must pursue the work of evangelism with zeal because of the condition of the harvest. Somebody say the condition of the harvest. Say the condition of the harvest. Number one is command. Number two is the condition of the harvest. What is the state of the harvest? What is the state of the harvest? 
The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 5, he said, he that gathers in summer is a prudent son. Summer is a season of harvest. He says, he that gathers in summer is a prudent son. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son that brings shame. Oh, is it not amazing? The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. He said, he who sleeps, he who sleeps in the time of harvest. When it's time for us to put in the sickle because of the harvest. And you go on sleeping. When an eight week period of Outreach has been launched and you go on sleeping, busy yourself. The Bible says you are best described as a son that brings shame. May none of us be a son or a daughter of shame. In the mighty name of Jesus. Most people cannot care much about what's going on. About the many souls who are on their way to hell. Many souls who are destitute. Many souls who are wallowing on the highway to hell. Because they simply cannot picture the harvest. And Jesus gave his early disciples, those who were with him earlier, he gave them a picture of the harvest. Look at John chapter 4 verse 35. John 4 35. He says, do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Can we see the fields? Can you see it? The fields are white. All around us in our places of work. The fields are white. The fields are white. And until you lift up your eyes spiritually, if you look and you live in the natural, you operate in the flesh, you won't see what he's talking about. But the fields are white. Jesus said they are white at this time. And it's still white till today. The condition of the harvest. We can't sleep now because this is the last phase. We are the last generation. After this, the Bible said, and the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all nations, then the end shall come. Now listen, no matter what good you do for any mortal, if you rob them of the gospel, you have robbed them, you have robbed them of the greatest inheritance in life. You can buy a car for somebody, build a house for him, give him food. That's why no matter what else we do, if we don't preach the gospel and get people saved and established, we've missed the mark. The ultimate thing is to get people saved. Satan is particularly not bothered. If we do every other thing, but to get to the business of preaching the gospel. Look at it. The harvest is white already. It's ripe. In fact, some other translations say the fields are white. They are ripe to be harvested. Look at Luke chapter 10 verse 20. He said unto them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. Can you see that? One, the harvest is ripe. Two, the harvest is plenteous. Two important ways the harvest is. When we appreciate that the harvest is plenteous, there are so many people who are on their way. It says, it's a way that seemed right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And he said, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Broad is the way that leads to eternal damnation, and many there be that found on it. That's why it's saying that the harvest is plentiful. Because on the broad way to hell, there are too many people on it. On the broad way, too many people. That's why you can be silent, I can be silent. That's why it's a season that we need to open our mouth and confront anybody. Listen, it is very dangerous to assume salvation for anybody. 
Anywhere you find yourself, anytime you have an opportunity to interact with anybody, the most important thing you want to get across to the person by the time you are finished, what you are dealing with the person is whether or not the person's eternity is secure. Are you here with me? That's a Christian. Number three is compassion. Somebody say compassion. 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 We must pursue the mandate of evangelism out of concern and compassion for lost souls. I realize that one of the primary reasons why people can walk around, hang around us for a long time, and we don't seem to remember that we have not even uh, communicated to them about Christ, is because increasingly we have lost our passion for God. And when your passion for God goes down, your passion for souls goes down. Yeah. You can't be passionate about God and not be passionate about what God cares about. David said, I love them that love him. And I hate them that also hate him. When you are a genuine lover of God, the things God loves, you love them naturally. God loves souls. When you see that increasingly your passion for souls is going down, check, your love for God is going down. For God so loved the world and he was motivated to give his only begotten son. If you so love God, you will be motivated to share the only son with others. Somebody say an amen. amen. That's very important. Jude 1 20, 22 to 23. He said, Of some have compassion, making a, di- a distinction. Then he says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by blood. Pull them. Somebody say, Pull them. Jesus was moved with compassion. I mean, he was so engrossed in preaching that when he was hungry and the disciples brought him food, they said, Ah, this guy is talking as if he has overeaten. Then he said, you don't know what's going on. And my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Why? Because every time he walked, when he saw people, he saw them as sheep without shepherd. When you see people, how do you see them? You see them dressed in a nice suit. You see them appear decent. You see them speak some fine grammar and you think that they are safe and secure. No. If the person is not born again, I don't care how uh, aristocratic or intellectual he is or how rich he is, he is eternally bankrupt. His future is not secure. His eternity is in danger. And that is why you and I have a responsibility. We were saved out of compassion. The Bible said when he saw them, he saw them as sheep without shepherd. And so he was moved with compassion on them. When we see people Speaking profane, when we see people living the life that is ungodly, how do we feel? These guys are wasting their time. They are not wasting their time. There is something that is controlling them. When we did uh, the book of Ephesians, he told them, he said, in whom the God of this world, the prince of the power, of there is a controlling force. And if you come to understand that there's a controlling force that moves people to smoke, that moves people to do all kinds of things that are ungodly, you will be moved with compassion. You will lose your compassion when you feel that as for you, something maybe you were too good. That's how come you are safe. But if you realize that you were also on the same route, you were going the same ditch, and the mercy of God located you, you'll be careful to bring that mercy onto others. Am I complicating somebody at all? We can't afford to be selfish in our generation. The early apostles were not. They laid down their lives. When they were told to be silent, they said, no, we can't be silent. This gospel must go. And they stood for the gospel and today we are saved. Thank God. The Bible says in the book of Jude 1.3, he said, earnestly contend 
for the faith that was once begotten unto us. How are we contending for the faith? I know we live in times where we can contend for anything. People can spend a great amount of time contending for promotion, contending for higher pay, contending for business expansion. But how much are we willing and ready to contend for the gospel of Christ? I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Mine is to let you know, and we have a corporate responsibility. You will be shocked that of all the things you care about, heaven doesn't care about any of those things. The things that are your driving force in life, they don't move God at all. There's only one business God is very much concerned about, and that is the business of soul winning. And anybody who makes it his business, his business becomes God's business. Look at Apostle Paul. Compassion in expression. Romans 10.1. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and proud to God is that they may be saved. Now look at Romans 9.1. He said, I tell you the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great. Look at this is compassion. I have what? Verse 2, please. I have, I have great Sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Not to pass exam. Not to get a visa. Not to marry. Not to have a child. I have continual sorrow and grief in my heart. Now look at this. Verse 3. He says, For I could, I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. That's Paul. Paul. He said, the reason why I wake up with sorrow, I go to bed with sorrow, is that there's somebody around me who is not saved. And I'm so much concerned. So much concerned. We can stay in class with people and they are not saved, we don't care. We can be in a workplace with people and they are not saved. We can, we, we can do business with people. We are glad paying them, but we are not glad sharing the gospel. We are glad paying them and we are glad collecting money from them. But the most important thing they need, we are not glad sharing them. Praise God. Listen, every person you encounter, if the person is not safe and he passes you by without hearing the gospel from you, if that person ends up in hell, God will hold you accountable. Praise God. Yeah. And you never know the last minute of the person you are meeting. That a person came to your office does not mean he will always be there. There are people we knew from January today, they are not here with us. There are people we knew. And there are people you know now, they may not end the year with you. And their eternity must matter to you. Their eternity must matter to you. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 to 17. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory in. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. If I preach not the gospel. This is a voice of compassion. Number four is consummation. Somebody say consummation. Yeah, consummation. So we have to pursue the business of soul winning out of number one, out of obedience to the command. Because of the condition of the harvest. And then because of compassion for lost souls. And then of course, because consummation, which has to do with the end of all things. Somebody say the end of all things. First Peter 4, 7. The Bible said the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be sober and watch unto prayer. The end of all things is at hand. Do you know that the end of all things will not come until the gospel is preached? The consummation of the world is predicated on the preaching of the gospel. In the book of Matthew 24, verse 14, he said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached 
proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, this is why. Because, you see, God has no business judging anybody who didn't hear the gospel. That's why when Jesus went into the grave, he went and preached the message to them in hell. So, those who were dead, when he went there, they had the opportunity to hear the message firsthand from the Messiah. And for everyone who has lived thereafter, they have an opportunity to hear the gospel from us. And when that is done, the Bible said, then the end will come. He said the gospel will preach as a testimony. Because how will a just God condemn somebody when the person did not hear the message of the gospel? So when you hear the message of the gospel, then the responsibility is now yours to either accept or reject. And based on your reception or your rejection, you shall then be judged. Three ways to effectively carry out the mandate of evangelism. Number one, by making it a priority. It must become a priority. Somebody say, make it your priority. Say, make it your priority. Speaking to people about Christ should be a priority. Driving people to church should be your priority. Making sure that men are getting to know God and becoming intimate with him. Through you should be a priority for you. The Bible says in John chapter 41, verse 4, verse 31 to 35. He said, Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. He said unto them, I have food to eat you do not know of. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? He said, My food is to do the will of him that sent me. Jesus is simply saying, The same way food is so important to you, let the business of soul winning be that important to you. Just as you think about eating, think that somebody is going to hell. Think that somebody has lost out. Think, think that somebody does not know the Lord and must get to know the Lord. That's what he's saying. He said, just ask. Think about this. I have meat to eat. In our prayer, we must be praying for the lost. In our preaching, the lost must be seen. In our giving, everything we do, making sure that lost souls are saved must be a topmost priority. And I pray that beginning from this season and through the remainder of your life, soul winning will be a top priority for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Number two, we must pursue the task of soul winning in the power of a spirit. In the power of a spirit. Jesus said, I am the vine. John 15, 5. And you are the branches. I am the vine. I'm the life source. And through me, you can draw life. I am the vine. You are the branches. For if you abide in me, you can bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, all our efforts at getting people saved will be fruitless without active partnership with the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come. And then you will be my witnesses. Have you got the Holy Ghost? Have you got the Holy Ghost? Have you got the Holy Ghost? Why are you there not witnessing? Because that is a power source. Power behind our witness. The early church were very, very careful to work with the Holy Ghost in all his fullness. And then finally, we must pursue the task of soul winning following the divine pattern. You must follow the pattern of the New Testament. Number one, make it a priority. Number two, Pursue it in the power of the Spirit. Number three, follow the right pattern. Somebody say, follow the right pattern. Say, follow the right pattern. 
Yeah, follow the right pattern. The right pattern is that every believer is a soul winner in the New Testament. Every believer. Somebody say every believer. Soul winning is not the work for some elitist group of people in the church. Some people who know Greek and Hebrew know. Some people can quote everything know. Soul winning is a business of their old children in the faith. The moment you get born again, immediately you are a certified and ordained soul winner. The only thing God did not allow any human being to ordain anybody for to do is to be fruitful. He said, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you and I myself, I have ordained you to go and bring forth fruit. Praise God. When it comes to soul winning, nobody must wait for ordination. All of us have already been ordained. All of us have already been empowered. And all of us are expected to be soul winners. Soul winning is not the business for a select group called evangelism group in the church. No, it is the lifestyle of everyone who is a true Christian. Every true child of God must be glad to share his father's uh, good nature, goodness and mercy and love with other people. So we need to follow the, the, the New Testament pattern. Somebody said the New Testament pattern. The New Testament pattern is that every believer is a soul winner. Number two, every soul one is also taken to church. That is another pattern in the New Testament. The Bible said, and they that gladly received the word were added. So don't deceive yourself. You have won a soul when the soul is not planted in church. When you win a soul, the next important step is to make sure that you police the person until he's firmly established and rooted in church. When Paul was saying that you are my joy and my crown of rejoicing, he was pointing to the Thessalonian Christians and they were standing in the faith. You could see them. You could see them. You could see them. So we are not just uh, going to cast seed to the ground and just forget it. No, we are going, planting the seed, watering it, looking for increase from the seed and then our reward shall be guaranteed. I pray that the grace of God will rest upon you and I pray that in this season, fresh burden for souls will come into your heart. That a new passion for lost souls will come into your heart. That just as you are passionate about many things that have no eternal relevance, a fresh passion for lost souls shall be rare kindled in your spirit. Stand on your feet and put your hand on your heart and ask God to give you a fresh hunger and passion for lost souls. Open your mouth and begin to speak to God. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.